Blog Talk Radio. All right, sports fans, how's everybody out there doing? We'll be one more time with another edition of the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show here on blogtalkradio.com. As always, I want to take this time out to thank all of you fine folks out there for tuning in this evening. And as always, our guest call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And on this wonderful evening of April the 12th, 2018, I can gladly once again tell the world that Miss Runner's baby boy is back on the air. Now, taking a little bit of a break here after the end of the NFL season. I haven't been on here, but I'm back and I'm in full effect. And I got a lot to talk about tonight. And primarily, what we're going to discuss tonight is going to be the upcoming NBA playoffs. Now, there are those who feel that the regular season is too long and they want to fast forward to the playoffs. Well, you're not fast-forwarding to the playoffs because the NBA season this year was just a little bit longer just due to the fact that the schedule was stretched out a little bit more. However, with spring here, theoretically, it's time for the playoffs in the NBA, and the quest is on. Who will be the last team standing, and who will claim the Larry O'Brien Trophy as champions of the league? Now, I want to start off with the Eastern Conference. And, of course, the team to beat is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've made it to the NBA Finals three consecutive years. And for LeBron James, their star player, and actually the league star star player, he is looking to make it an eighth consecutive trip to the Finals. Now, if you look at it on paper, you would say it's a little bit tougher. Why? Because the Cavs are the fourth-seeded team in the Eastern Conference this season. However, when you delve inside, this is probably one of Cleveland's best chances to get to the NBA Finals. Now, the Cavs went 50-32 and this season. They were still able to win the Central, and they were able to hold off a very pesky and game Indiana Pacers team to get that notch. Now, of course, there was an illness to Tyron Lue that took him out of action as, as far as being the Cavs head coach for some time. Uh, this team was trying to get it going following the trade of Kyrie Irving to the Boston Celtics. We also saw where, you know, the Cavs really lacked chemistry for a good portion of the season and it resulted in the likes of Dwayne Wade being traded, Isaiah Thomas, and Jay Crowder, just to name a few. And in those trades, the Cavs were able to get back the likes of George Hill as well as Jordan Clarkson. And, you know, this team has really, you know, like they, they turned it around. They've had their ups and downs since then. But once those trades went down, the Cavs, did look like a better team. You still have the Kevin Love factor. Of course, Love did miss some time due to injury earlier this season. 
But as long as the Cavs have number 23, and as long as he's still one of the baddest players on the block, you better believe that the Cavs are definitely going to be in it. Now, you look at their first-round opponent in the Indiana Pacers, and this is a team that it really came together for them this season. Victor Oladipo, in my mind, should be the NBA's most improved player of the year. He finally got an opportunity under head coach Nate McMillan to really show what he can do. Oladipo came into the Orlando Magic when he was drafted coming out of the University of Indiana, and it just never fit. Why? Because, number one, the culture in Orlando simply is not conducive to winning. Uh, Number two, too much was put on him. He was then traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and it just never meshed fully with him playing alongside Russell Westbrook. This time around, Oladipo is the guy, but at the same time, he's not asked to be the guy, if it makes sense. And Nate McMillan, Victor Oladipo in a system that he's comfortable with, and it mirrors uh, the, the system that he ran when he was in Indiana in college, and he was successful. Now, you look at this Pacers team, and on paper, they don't match up real well with the Cavs. I mean, granted, don't, don't get me wrong, they do have some young talent in their front court with the likes of uh, Miles Turner, but it's a situation, will they be able to hang with the Cavs for a seven-game series? That is a tough road to bear, and because of that, I'm going to take Cleveland to get past Indiana in five games. You look at the top seed in the Eastern Conference, and that's going to be the Toronto Raptors. And the Raptors enjoyed their finest season in franchise history. They won 59 games. They beat out the Celtics for the Atlantic Division. And on top of that, they were also able to hold off the Cavaliers apart, um, uh, to be the top team in the East. But when you look at this Raptors team, All the regular season accolades are fine. The biggest question is, will they be able to do it in the postseason? Now, two years ago, we saw this Raptor squad under head coach Dwayne Casey advance to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in franchise history, and they fell short to the Cavs in six games. Last year, they met up with Cleveland in the second round, and they got swept. And you just have to ask yourself, will it be any different? And when you look at the Raptors, they're so reliant on their backcourt of Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. And there's nothing really wrong with that from the standpoint that, yes, you know, Lowry and DeRozan are very good players, but Toronto does not get enough front cross-court scoring consistently. You look at the likes of Jonas Valanciunas, he's not a guy that's going to put fear in an opponent from the standpoint that, you know what, we have to worry about this guy getting 25 and 15 on a nightly basis. And that is what holds the Raptors back in the postseason. They just don't have that guy. They can take care of their business against the Orlando Magics and the Brooklyn Nets of the NBA world, 
But once you get into those seven-game series with a team like the Cavs, you need to have a very good and balanced team if you're going to knock off number 23. Now, Toronto does have the goods to get past the Washington Wizards in the first round. Washington is 43-39. and 39. To me, they were one of the biggest underachievers this season in the NBA. You look at everything that's there. I know that point guard John Wall did miss some time uh, this season with an injury, but you look at this Wizards team, even when John Wall was healthy, they still underachieved. And you never know what you're going to get from this club on a nightly basis. You look at Bradley Beal and you look at John Wall in that starting backcourt. Always have not gotten along. And I think some of that, you know, transfers over to the court. And I think it trickles down to this team as well. But I think the biggest thing for Washington, they'll do everything right for three and a half quarters. And then they'll still find a way to lose. And this side of the Golden State Warriors, who actually, you know, have defeated the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playoffs in two of the last three years, this side of the Golden State Warriors, the Wizards probably give the Cavs the most problems in the NBA. But the problem is this. The Warriors know how to close out the Cavs when they have them on the ropes. Of course, 2016 was a different animal. Uh, when we saw Cleveland come back from down 3-1 in the series. But with this Wizards team, they'll do everything right for three and a half quarters. And sometimes they'll do everything right for about 46 and a half minutes. And when it comes time to close that deal, seal that deal, they simply can't get it done as they beat themselves. And I look at the Wizards. They're not going to be intimidated by the Raptors in their first-round series. They're going to play hard. It's not going to be a cakewalk for Toronto, meaning they could just coast through to the series, I mean to the second round. I still take Toronto in five games, but it's a situation where it's five games that they're going to have to work. But I guarantee you, in every one of those games, Washington's going to be it in the fourth quarter, deep in the fourth quarter, and then they're just going to find a way to screw it up. And it's going to be one of those things, typical Washington Wizards, and at this point, I don't know what you do to correct that. You look at the Boston Celtics, who are the second seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs, and they're set to take on the seventh-seeded Milwaukee Bucks. And like the Wizards, the Bucks are a big-time underachiever. You look at the talent level on this squad, and it all starts with Giannis Antetokounmpo. There's no reason why the Bucks should not be worse than fifth in the Eastern Conference right now. This team has everything in place to win 50 games. There is too much talent on this team. I know that Jason Kidd was fired earlier this season due to the fact that this team has greatly underachieved. And I look at the Bucks. The Bucks have the ability to beat the Celtics, but then they also have the ability to get swept by the Celtics because it's all about the mentality. And I know that the Celtics, they're going to have to do this without Kyrie Irving. Of course, he had the knee surgery and he's out for the uh, remainder of the season. They 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 have not had Gordon Hayward all season. We, we go back to his her, horrific injury 
to begin the season on opening night versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it's a situation where Boston still finds themselves with a record of 55-27. and And, of course, that is a credit to their head coach, Brad Stevens, because this team has really embodied that next man up philosophy. And this side of the San Antonio Spurs, they're probably one of the few teams in the NBA where anybody can give you 20 points on a given night. But right now, without Kyrie Irving, the Celtics need that guy who's going to be able to take over a game in the fourth quarter. Who's going to step up? Is it going to be Jalen Brown? Is it going to be Jason Tatum? Is it going to be Al Horford? Somebody's going to have to step up. I look at this Celtics team, and they still have a lot of depth. And with the injuries, that has given a lot of guys the opportunity to get valuable playing time, get confidence, and also contribute. I, I look at a guy like Terry Rozier. I think he can have an impact in this series for the Cavs. I mean, pardon me, for the Celtics. Uh, I look at uh, Markeith Morris as another guy that you have to keep an eye on. And then, of course, you know, Jalen Brown. I mean, this guy was the third overall pick in 2016 by the Celtics. This guy is the real deal. Jason Tatum is definitely somebody else not to sneeze at. And I think both of those guys, the bigger the stage, the better they play. And because of that, I'm going to take the Celtics to advance past the Bucs into the second round. Now, the final first-round series in the East, you look at the Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat. And when the NBA season started, not so many people – expected the Sixers to be the third best team in the Eastern Conference, more or less win 52 games. This is what the Sixers have done. This is the first time that Philly has won at least 50 games in a season since they went, since their last trip to the NBA Finals back in 2001. And I, I guarantee you for game one in Philly, their arena is going to be rocking because it's been several years since they've been able to see a Sixers home playoff game. And make no mistake about it, I think it's gotten lost in the shuffle over the past few years because the Sixers were so bad and the whole thing with former general manager Sam Hinkie tanking and telling people to trust the process. People forget that Philadelphia is a sports-hungry city. Right now, the Eagles are Super Bowl champs. You have Villanova who won their second national championship in men's college basketball in the last three years. Okay, You saw the Phillies win the World Series back in 2008. The Flyers find themselves in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. And it's a situation their fans down there are hungry. And when you talk about the Sixers, I mean, this city came out and supported them you know, during the Allen Iverson uh, years when he got them to the NBA Finals back in 2001. You go back before that with the likes of Charles Barkley, and then, of course, those great Sixers teams with Dr. J and uh, Moses Malone. And, of course, you know, they were able to win a championship back in 1983, and actually that was the last championship that the 76ers won. But you look at this current 76ers team, and they are on a roll right now. And they're a team that nobody wants to face in the NBA playoffs. They've won their last 16 games. They've done it primarily without center Joel Joel Embiid, who is expected to be back at some point 
uh, for the Sixers' playoff run. But you look at the team ball. Ben Simmons, the first overall pick of the 2016 draft, of course, he missed all of his uh, his initial rookie campaign uh, due to a foot injury. But this guy has come back with a vengeance, and you know his ability to pass, his ability to rebound. He's not a, he's not a perimeter scorer yet at this point in his career, but I think he's going to be a guy coming down the road that will be a force to be reckoned with in this league. The Sixers have just gotten Markel Fultz back. Uh, you look at the additions of a veteran like J.J. Redick and what they have meant to the 76ers team. And most importantly, they're playing team basketball. And it's such a great thing to see a throwback to guys who are willing to buy into a coaching system, play that team ball. It's not about the individual. It's about the team. And subsequently, that is why Philly is on a roll that they are right now. You don't win 16 games in in a row in the NBA by accident, and you don't do it by being selfish. And I think the Sixers have really embodied the team philosophy, and I think it's going to carry them a a long way. They're facing a Miami Heat team that is happy to be here. This is Miami's second trip to the playoffs in the last three years. Of course, a lot of that sizzle is gone now that, you know, once LeBron James left Miami – uh, to return to Cleveland back in 2014. But with that said, you know, credit to the Heat organization because unlike the Cavs in the four years that LeBron left, Cleve, uh, Miami, rather, has made the playoffs twice. They barely missed out last year. They went 41-41 and 41 with a team of also rants. And you look at this Heat squad right now, they don't have a lot of star appeal. I mean, granted, they got Dwayne Wade back prior to the trade deadline this year. But this is not Dwayne Wade 2008. This is Dwayne Wade who is, you know, attempting to hold on in the NBA. Hassan Whiteside, one of the better rebounders and shot blockers in the NBA, but he's not a consistent scoring threat for this Heat team. But it's a credit to Eric Spolster, their head coach. It's a credit to Pat Riley, their team president, because this team just simply goes out there, fights, scraps, and claws, and they actually won the Southeast Division this year. So that's a credit to them. I don't see the Heat getting past the Sixers. I think it's a feel-good story to see Miami in the playoffs. I think they can get a game, maybe two, but two games it's going to be very tough to get against this Philadelphia team right now because they are rolling. But I do think that the top four teams in the East will advance to the second round. However, in the second round is where I think that the seeding in the Eastern Conference playoffs is going to be thrown out of the window. Because you look at a potential matchup with Toronto and Cleveland. Cleveland in no way, shape, or form is afraid of the Raptors. Especially when you've beaten a team over the last two years and I'll dare to say that the Cavs simply don't respect Toronto. Granted, some of the supporting cast around LeBron James has changed uh, from last year to now, but the thing is, Toronto does not have anybody to stop him. And then on top of that, like I said before, Toronto relies too much on their backcourt. The only way that the Raptors have a chance to beat the Cavs in a playoff series, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan 
have to combine to average 65 points for that series. And on top of that, you're talking about you have to get at least 15 and 10 a night from Jonas Valanciunas. I don't see that happening. And, you know, in the aspect of Cleveland really not respecting Toronto, Cleveland knows that they can easily go to the Air Canada Center and get a victory. They know that they can protect home court and Cleveland. So with that said, I'm going to take the Cavs in six games. Toronto simply doesn't have the mental, and they also don't have the front court talent uh, to deal with them. Then you look at Philly taking on Boston, and this is a situation or a series, rather, that changed once Kyrie Irving went out with the injury. And I think that Boston is a team on the rise, and I think right now you, you want to pencil them in as one of the favorites to win the championship next season because I think Danny Ainge is going to pull off some type of big trade over the summer to make Boston a juggernaut once again. Uh, but, like, staying with, with, the, with the present situation that the Celtics have, I think it's a great story for what they've been able to do in spite of the injuries. However, the playoffs are where your weaknesses are exposed. And now Boston doesn't have that finisher. And I think it's going to show up against Philly because Philly is just playing so hot right now. That's the, that's the best way to sum it up. They're an extremely hot basketball team, and I think it's going to carry over. I think this has the feel kind of, if you're the 76ers, going back to 1999 with the New York Knicks when, you know, they they snuck into the playoffs. They got that eight seed, and, of course, they were able to ride that uh, to an Eastern Conference championship. This time around for this Philadelphia team, I think they're rolling, and I think as the weather gets warm-er, the Sixers are going to get warmer as well. So I'm going to take the Sixers over the Celtics in this series in six games. Now, there are some people out there who really feel that the Sixers can beat the Cavs in a playoff series right now. I'm not one of them. And, yes, the Sixers are an upstart team. Yes, they've shown during the season that they can beat the Cavs. Yes, they've shown that they are not afraid of LeBron James. However, this is where the playoff experience of Cleveland will show up, and this is where the playoff inexperience of the Sixers will show up. Because for Cleveland, it's kind of like, you know what, been there, done that. You're talking about a fourth consecutive trip to the NBA Finals for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, of course, you know, Philly doesn't have anybody to stop LeBron. They're going to play hard. They're going to fight, scrap, and claw. Uh, Brett Brown, I think he's going to show his mettle as a good NBA coach because I think in a series with the Cavs, what the Sixers' defensive philosophy would try to be is, you know what, make LeBron beat us by himself and stop everybody else. And I think that's going to keep Philly in this series. It's going to be a situation where, you know, Philly's going to try to outrun the Cavs and show their youth. And I think it's going to be effective in spurts. 
but I simply don't think it's enough. And I think Cleveland gets back to the NBA Finals in after knocking off the Sixers in six games. So, folks, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, you look ahead to the Western Conference Finals, and theoretically, the playoffs out west got started a little early because something you normally don't see in the NBA actually occurred last night. There was a play-in game as it was a winner-take-all situation for the Denver Nuggets and uh, Minnesota Timberwolves for the final spot in the Western Conference. And the Timberwolves were able to prevail and send the Nuggets home early or actually one game short of the playoffs for the second consecutive year. But the biggest question as the Western Conference Finals are set to begin is will the Warriors make it four consecutive years as far as getting to the uh, NBA Finals? And will the Houston Rockets be the team to prevent them from doing it? Now, you look at the Rockets, and it's amazing that this has been a solid NBA franchise for a long time. And they have just enjoyed their best season in franchise history. The Rockets went 65 and 17. I do believe that James Harden is going to be the NBA's MVP. I also think that Mike D'Antoni will be the coach of the year due to the fact that they have the best record in the league. Now, with that said, you know, I talk about the Rockets' history, and I'm still amazed that this is the first time that they actually won 60 games, more or less 65, due to the fact, if you look at some of the great players that they've had play for them over the years, Elvin Hayes, Akeem Olajuwon, Moses Malone, uh, Clyde Drexler, Tracy McGrady, but none of them were able to do what this Rockets team did. And, you know, partially because, you know, the Western Conference and a lot of those seasons was always stacked. But nonetheless, credit to the Rockets for what they were able to do uh, this season. And I know that Mike D'Antoni has a reputation as far as his team shooting the three ball. But once you delve into his offense, it's really all about ball movement. And Mike D'Antoni had tremendous success with the Phoenix Suns. They never got to the NBA Finals. It did not work out with him for the New York Knicks. And it really could have, but... There were various reasons why it didn't, and I won't delve into them here. It did not work out for him with the Los Angeles Lakers, but it's working out for him with the Rockets. And like I said, I'm not going to delve into all the reasons why it did not work out for him with the Knicks, but there was one common thing with his failures with the Knicks and his failures with the Lakers. Everybody wasn't on the same page. And everybody did not buy into his system. Here in Phoenix, oh, pardon me, Houston, everybody bought into his system. And I think it started uh, last season when he took over. And his first move was to uh, switch James Harden from point or from shooting guard to point guard. And I, I, me personally, I laughed. I thought it was a train wreck waiting to happen. I was wrong, and I have no problem admitting that I was wrong. But you look at it. And it worked, and James Harden really, you know, ran with it. 
Now, if you're Houston, you acquire Chris Paul from the Los Angeles Clippers over the summer. Now you have two. Now you have two solid ball handlers in your backcourt, and then you have a supporting cast around James Harden and Chris Paul, who are playing with tremendous confidence. You look at the likes of PJ Tucker. You look at the likes of Ryan Anderson and Trevor Ariza, and they give the Rockets a very formidable chance to win it all. You look at this team right now. They're knocking down the shots. They can also play D, which is important because defense and D'Antoni, granted both words start with this letter D, they always do not go hand-in-hand. Hand. However, the 2017-2018 NBA season is a different story. Now, you look at the Rockets' potential of not, not, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't even say potential anymore. It's here. First-round opponent in the Minnesota Timberwolves. They went 47 and 35, their best season in a very long time. This is going to be Minnesota's first trip to the postseason in 14 years. To give you an idea of how long ago that was, Kevin Garnett was the NBA's MVP for the Timberwolves. Sam Cassell was on that team. He's now a coach in the league. Latrell Sprewell was on that team. Shaquille O'Neal and Carl Malone were members of the Los Angeles Lakers. And this was the rookie season of LeBron James. That gives you an idea of how long ago this was when the Timberwolves last made the playoffs. Things have changed, obviously, on so many different fronts. But granted that uh, this team snuck in to the postseason, uh, they were still able, uh, you know, I mean, they snuck into the postseason, and I say that because they, they they started off so strong and it simply did not uh, come, work out for them coming down the stretch. Granted, there were, uh, there were injuries, especially the Jimmy Butler injury that really uh, changed things for this team, but make no mistake about it, uh, they still got in and they were able to do some damage, hopefully, uh, in the playoffs, and I mean, they they made some tremendous strides for themselves uh, in the regular season. You look at it, you have you still have a young team led by Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, and of course Jimmy Butler. And because of that, they're still trying to figure out how to win. Jimmy Butler knows how to do it because he made the playoffs several times with the Chicago Bulls. But the likes of Carl Anthony Towns and the likes of Andrew Wiggins, they up until this season, they didn't know what it took to win in the NBA. I think the Rocket, pardon me, the Timberwolves, have a chance to beat the Rockets in this series, but I don't think they're going to execute the game plan enough for it to be done. Carl Anthony Towns has to really just camp out in a post. Don't care. I don't care about seeing him taking a three-point shot in this series. It's all about, you know what, get down in the post because Clint Capella – or nobody else on the Rockets can stop Carl Anthony Towns. Honestly, for what it's worth, there aren't too many big men in the NBA who can stop Carl Anthony Towns in the post, period. So I think the success for the Timberwolves starts and ends with Carl Anthony Towns. However, I don't see them executing the game plan consistently because I think it's a situation where Minnesota is going to try to beat Houston at their own game and attract beat. 
And that's not going to get it done. You want to slow the Rockets down. You want to play more half court. You want to limit their possessions. And you do that by going through the big man in the post. However, you're going to see them running up and down the court. And Jimmy Butler's probably going to be the focal point of the offense. Sprinkled in with some Carl Anthony Towns and then some Jimmy Butler. I mean, pardon me, some Andrew Wiggins. And because of that, Minnesota's going to be ousted in five games. It's good to see them back in the postseason. But, you know, just getting to the postseason and staying there are two different animals. And the Timberwolves, this is still a young team, and they're figuring it out as far as how they're going to win. And I think this is going to be part of their growing pains to uh, to do it. Now, you look at the second seed in the Western Conference. you got the Golden State Warriors, and they're set to tangle with the San Antonio Spurs. And these two teams have met several times in the playoffs over the last few years. Of course, there was the infamous Western Conference Final Series last year where it looked like the Spurs were set to, uh, you know, give the, give the Warriors all that they could handle. They were up 23 points in the second half. And, of course, Kawhi Leonard went out with that injury, and the rest is history. Uh, now, Kawhi Leonard basically has not been there all season for the Spurs. They still made the playoffs for the 21st consecutive year, but this marks the first time since the 96, oh, pardon me, since, yeah, since the 1996-97 season that the Spurs have not won 50 games in a, in a full 82-game campaign. Aside from Kawhi Leonard, San Antonio's dealt with a lot of injuries. You know, Paul Gasol missed some time, Tony Parker missed some time, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge missed some time, and Rudy Gay. But this is still one of the better grounded teams and there's still a ton of cohesion there. And granted, the Warriors are the team, the better team on paper right now. You cannot overlook what the San Antonio Spurs do with their team ball and their team philosophy, which is headed by head coach Greg Popovich. Now, the Warriors are the defending champs, and they will not have point guard Steph Curry for this series due to the knee injury, and they're hopeful to get him back in the second round, they are able to advance. Now, I look at the Warriors like this. They they, they limp into the playoffs, so to speak. I mean, they're 58-24, and 24, which is nothing to sneeze at. They basically, once the Curry injury came down, and, of course, Kawhi Leonard was out as well, as was Kevin Durant and Draymond Green for one point. But even in getting some of those guys back, the Warriors just looked at the Rockets and said, you know what, you go ahead and get half home court advantage. Uh, you know, we'll be okay with the two-slot. I look at Golden State like this. Some people might say that they're in trouble. Some people might say that they're bored. But, you know, you can't overlook what they've been able to do in April, May, and June over the last uh, three years because even the Warriors have two titles, and even though, you know, they failed to win in 2016, getting still getting in three consecutive years in a row as far as the finals goes is nothing to sneeze at. Now, I look at Golden State. No Curry, but you still have Kevin Durant. You still have Klay Thompson, and you still have Draymond Green. And those three guys right there, you know, with them leading the way, you should be able to defeat most of the teams that you face in the Western Conference playoffs. I think the key for the Golden State Warriors is going to be this. Kevin Durant is still a bad man on that court when he's focused. And he needs to really be focused right now 
not try to be a fake tough guy like he's been. Go out there, focus on scoring, and flat out, you know what, just put this team on your back. Draymond Green's going to get out of his way. Klay Thompson has no problem being the second banana. He's done it before with Steph Curry, and he knows where his bread is buttered, and he has no problem taking a back seat to Kevin Durant and letting him do his thing. Because, shoot, when Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, uh, Klay Thompson, for the most part, went from being the second option and, in some cases, the first option to not being the third option, and he had no problem with that because they won the championship last year. Now, in the case of the Warriors this postseason, it's got to be Durant then Thompson, then Draymond as far as their scoring options. I think Golden State knows the importance of this because it's not a guarantee that their reserve guys are going to be the same next season as far as you're going to have the same supporting cast. So with that said, this might be the same, the, the last go-around for this group, and I think Golden State understands the importance of that. And I still think, you know, that loss from 2016 still sits with them because they know how close that they were. And I don't think that they want to go through that again. So I think Golden State knows that they need to try to go out there and take care of their opponents as quick as possible, at least until, you know, they potentially make the Western Conference Finals because, number one, they want to try to have the opportunity to get Steph Curry back. Number two, they also want to be as fresh as possible, because, you know, once you get to the Western Conference Finals, if you're fortunate enough, if you're Golden State, and if you're able to get to the NBA Finals again, you know that you're going to be facing some darn good teams, and you really have to be on top of their uh, of your game. I think that the Spurs will be game for the Warriors in the first round, but not having Kawhi Leonard there really changes things. And, of course, the Warriors can still come at you with three All-Stars, Thus, I'm going to take Golden State to advance past San Antonio in five games. Now, you look at the 3-6 matchup in the West, and you have the Portland Trailblazers taking on the Utah Jazz, pardon me, the New Orleans Pelicans. And for Portland, um, you look at this squad, and they really came out of nowhere to win this Northwest division. For the longest time, it looked like it was going to be the Minnesota Timberwolves, and granted, Minnesota finished uh, just two games behind Portland for the division, and that just shows you the logjam that was the Western Conference this year because only two games separated seeds three through eight. So if you're Minnesota and San Antonio, you're you're probably looking like, you know what, a game here or a game there with a three seed. That, that, that's how much – Things change in the Western Conference this year. But you look at Portland taking on New Orleans, and this is going to be a very interesting series because Portland is another one of those teams that they really rely on the contributions of their starting backcourt with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. But then you look at New Orleans, and granted, there's no DeMarcus Cousins, but you still have to worry about Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis is one of the top three players in the NBA right now. The only two guys that I would put ahead of Anthony Davis right now, actually three guys, I would say uh, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and LeBron James. That's it. And for Anthony Davis, he's gotten his team to the playoffs before. 
he could put him on his back. And it's a shame that DeMarcus Cousins is injured because I think that New Orleans, with a healthy DeMarcus Cousins, is probably the third uh, best team in the West right now. And I really think that they would have had the goods to push both Golden State and Houston in playoff series. But you get back to this matchup with Portland. I look at the guard play of the Pelicans. I look at John Rondo and I look at uh, Drew Holiday, two seasoned veterans who have been there, done that, especially in the case of John Rondo because he helped the Celtics win the NBA championship back in 2008. Now, Alvin Gentry, he's been around the block as a head coach in the NBA. Does he have enough to get this Pelicans team to the second round? We'll have to wait and see. Now, for Portland, they have another head coach who's been there and done it in Terry Stotts. And for Terry Stotts, he basically gets out of the way and he lets Damian Lillard take this take this uh, game over. Now, I think, you know, we've all seen that Lillard has the ability to take a game over. But I think something else that he needs to rely on is the fact that, you know what, you've got a big man that can get things done down low and he could also stretch the floor in Yusuf Nurkic. The Blazers got him from the Denver Nuggets last season, and he's been a solid contributor. Granted, you know, he went out with the injury once Portland made the playoffs last year, and, you know, it really changed what they could and couldn't do. Now, you have him back now, and I think it's best uh, for him to be utilized uh, properly. I think this is going to be a tremendous series. And it's one of those only one game separated both of these teams all season long. I think this series is going to be a toss-up. But I'm going to take the Blazers in uh, six games. Then you look at the final first-round series out west. You're going to have the Oklahoma City Thunder going up against the Utah Jazz. And you look at this series, and it's one of those things for me that if the NBA had the ability to put things, put something like this on pay-per-view, they could make so much money off of it. You know, that's how good things can be. You look at Russell Westbrook, became the first player in NBA history to average a triple-double for two consecutive seasons. You look at Paul George. He's been up and down throughout his uh, time with the Oklahoma City Thunder, but I think he's going to take it to another level uh, in the postseason because he has, he, he has a, a chance to really cash in this summer in free agency. Carmelo Anthony, he gets another shot at the postseason. Granted, you know, things are so disappointing for him for so many years with the New York Knicks. And you look at the Utah Jazz. You lose your best player in free agency last summer in Gordon Hayward. But then you come back, you draft Donovan Mitchell. You still have the likes of Rudy Gobert. You trade Rodney Hood to the Utah Jazz, uh, pardon me, to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you still find a way to go 48-34. and 34. And I think that is a credit to this Utah Jazz organization, especially head coach Quinn Snyder. There are a lot of people out there that feel that Donovan Mitchell is the NBA's Rookie of the Year. And for me, it's a situation in watching him play. No stage is too big for this guy. But I think the same can be said about Russell Westbrook. What, what Westbrook is going to have to do is something that he did too much of last season in the playoffs when 
the Thunder were eliminated in the first round by the Houston Rockets. He can't do it by himself. He's got to rely on, on on his teammates if they're going to get past the Jazz because the reason why the Jazz have gotten this far is because they believe in playing team ball. And that's why the Jazz have had the season that they ha- that they have had. So if you're the Thunder and you go out there and you try to play for yourself as an individual, it's not going to work. But I do think that the Thunder, especially Westbrook, will have enough to get it done this time around. This is going to take OKC to advance in six games. Now, it's going to be interesting once you get to the second round because I look at a uh, potential Thunder versus Rockets matchup, and for me, the Thunder just don't match up well with the Rockets because you're going to look at all Russell Westbrook. He's going to try to do his thing individually. Paul George is going to try to do his thing individually. Carmelo is going to try to do his thing individually, and it's not going to work because, I mean, again, I talked about Houston's uh, supporting cast with the likes of Trevor Ariza, with the likes of Clint Capella, with the likes of Ryan Anderson and P.J. Tucker. These guys are going to make, you know, guys like Paul George and Carmelo Anthony work. I mean, you know, the matchup between Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook is always a good one because Russell Westbrook just always plays so angry, and he always plays with that chip on his shoulder. But, you know, it's just not going to be enough. I, I, I love the way that the Rockets are playing right now. They're locked in. They're confident. They're relaxed, and they believe it, that, it, that it's their time. And subsequently, I'm going to take the Rockets to advance to the Western Conference Finals in six games. Now, the Warriors and the Blazers, this is an interesting series because Golden State is hopeful that they'll have Steph Curry back for the second round. But like I said before, if you're the Warriors, Steph Curry cannot come back and be your first or second option. I think Curry really needs to be the fourth option behind KD, Clay, and Draymond in that exact order. It's going to be a situation where, you know, he's got to, you know, I mean, he's obviously he has to be cleared to be healthy enough to go out there and play. But it's a situation, you know, practicing and game situations are two different things, number one. Number two, he's got to be able to trust his knee out there in the playoffs. And I think it's going to take some time. And arguably, he might not be the same throughout the season, throughout the rest of the playoffs. This is why I think that Golden State needs to make him the fourth option if he is able to come back for this series. Now, it's going to be one of those things for Portland to pull off the upset here. They would have to do something similar to what I said Kyle Lowry and and DeMar DeRozan would have to do in order to knock off the Cavs. Lillard and McCollum would have to go out there and average at least 65 points per game for the series. I don't see it happening, and I don't see them checking Kevin Durant. The only way that the Warriors lose this series is if they beat themselves a la Kevin Durant and Draymond Green getting dumb technical fouls. Golden State, is it's going to be a chippy series with uh, Portland. But I still think that Golden State simply has too much talent to get it done. And I think the Warriors get past the Blazers in five games. And, of course, that would set up the Western Conference Finals matchup that most people have expected for the last two months with the Houston Rockets and Golden State Warriors. And the biggest question is, 
do the Rockets have enough to beat the Warriors? And at this point, the question is actually more of do the Warriors have enough to beat the Rockets? Because the Rockets have shown this season they're not afraid of beating Golden State. They've done it multiple times. And on top of that, they're playing lights-out ball. And like I said before, they're playing D. I want to say that the Rockets will win this series. I really, really do. Because if you're going by what you've seen from both teams right now, I think it's clear-cut for you to say, you know what, the Rockets are going to win. My only hold-up or my only two hold-ups with that are this. Typically, you're talking about this will be the, this will be the first time past the second round for Chris Paul throughout his NBA career, number one. Number two, typically when he plays the likes of Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook in the playoffs, he gets outplayed. But then on top of that, it's a situation for both Chris Paul and James Harden. They tend not to show up in those key situations in the postseason. Maybe now that they're working together, things will be a little bit different for both of them. We don't know how Steph Curry's knee is going to be if he comes back. That right there is the big elephant in the room. How will Steph be able to handle that knee? Because I I really think once we're able to figure that out, we'll get a sense of it. Because you look at it, the Rockets have everything that it takes to beat the Warriors. They have a player in Clint Capella who can grab rebounds, and he's an okay defender. He's not a great defender as far as being an interior rim protector. You look at the you look at the likes of Trevor Ariza and PJ Tucker, who are solid perimeter defenders, and you need that when you face a team like the Warriors, who you know excel at knocking it down the perimeter shots. But the thing is, does Mike D'Antoni have enough coaching-wise to beat Steve Kerr? And do the Houston Rockets have enough mentally to get past the Golden State Warriors? Those are the big question marks. And for my money right now, like I said, if you take it right now, I think it's a slam dunk to say that the Rockets win. But like I said, I want to see how Steph's knee you know, reacts to the playoffs. And granted, you know, early on in the playoffs, granted, he's not going to be available for the first round. But in those first, on those early, uh, the first two rounds of the playoffs, teams tend to get more of a rest between games because, you know, the NBA wants to stretch it out a little bit uh, as far as the postseason goes. But I just want to see how his knee reacts, you know, to the playoffs. And I think he looks out because there's no back-to-backs right now. Even, you know, once you advance further in the playoffs, Golden State is going to have at least one game off between each game, one one day off between each game. So with that said, I'm going to take the Warriors in seven games over the Rockets because at some point I think that James Harden and Chris Paul won't answer the bell, and I think it's going to happen in a key situation. And when it does it's going to be too late, you know? So I think for the fourth consecutive year, we're going to get Warriors and Cavs in the NBA playoffs. I know some people want to see it, some people don't, 
But the bottom line, that's the way it is, is because you have some of the best players in the NBA on these two teams. And if the Warriors do face the Cavs in the playoffs, I know that the Cavs, you know, had a rejuvenated spirit, uh, you know, after their deals just before the trade deadline. They still don't have enough to Golden State because I look at it, and if you go back to last year's finals, the Cavs never had an answer for Kevin Durant. They still don't. And even if Steph Curry is not the guy that he was last year, you still got to worry about the likes of Klay Thompson. You still got to worry about Draymond Green. And I think coaching-wise, Golden State is there as opposed to Cleveland. I mean, Tyron Lewis had his health issues. And I don't care what anybody says. I think this is it for Tyron Lewis. Because the bottom line is you got you to get your health taken care of. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. So I think once the Cavs season is over, I think you're going to see Tyron Lue exit stage right. It's just a matter, it'll just be a matter of where LeBron James will be playing basketball next season. But whomever he's playing basketball for, he won't be coached by Ty Lue. But make no mistake about it, I think the Warriors are able to do it. And some people won't like it. But I think Golden State gets their third championship in the last four years. So, folks, that is going to do it for tonight. And as always, I want to take this time out to thank you for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show here on blogtalkradio.com. I'll be on here throughout the NBA playoffs as things progress to uh, to keep you abreast of things. So definitely stay tuned. I'll definitely have more information and more details on upcoming shows as well as the proceedings to the NFL draft. Now, if you're on Twitter, please feel free to follow me at 300 Pounds of Sports. And like I always say, if you follow me, it'll be my pleasure to follow you right back. Also, there is the Facebook discussion group at the Sports Depot 365. You can check it out, drop a line, and be a part of one of the better sports debating sites going on social media. And like I said, you can continuously check me out on here through the archives, and you can also check me out on 300poundsofsportsknowledge.com, where I fancy myself as being the total sports package for the total fan. And once I get off of here, I will put up my latest mock draft for the upcoming NFL draft later this month. As always, much love to 150 pounds of sports knowledge. She knows who she is, and without her, none of this good stuff that you are hearing is possible. And also, much love to our wonderful daughter, Penelope. It's a pleasure to see you grow and grow each day. And like I always say, I know that you are going to do some phenomenal things in this great world of ours. So once again, fine folks, my name is William Martin. Take care. Thanks again for tuning to into the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge show here on blogtalkradio.com. And I'll be seeing you soon. Goodbye. <laughs>